This is an ABC podcast. Welcome to The Law Report. I'm Jane Lee. A warning, we're about to talk about some legal reforms a coroner has recommended to help prevent international student suicides. So if you think this might be a difficult one for you, or you need someone to talk to, remember you can always call Lifeline on 13 11 14. No matter how much you prepare for it, you never expect it to feel as in that way when you experience that feelings. Even though you may have family members in here, but you still feel lonely sometimes in your own uh, studio apartment. It's very important for everyone in Australia to understand that international students not only contribute $33 billion to the Australian economy, but also they are huge contributors towards promoting the soft diplomacy of Australia in the world. The case at the heart of this debate concerns the death of 24-year-old international student Zhe Kai Liu in March 2016. The Chinese man had only been living in Australia for four months when he died. He was studying at the University of Melbourne. He had a long-distance girlfriend in Sydney. And Senior Constable Stephen Clark, the coroner's court's appointed investigator, said he was living in an apartment with his sister in Melbourne's CBD. She did state that her brother was uh, struggling with his English in Australia and that he was talking about going back to China to, to attempt to study English in a to be, he could actually converse a lot better with the English-speaking people. She thought her brother was depressed and frustrated that he couldn't understand the classes he was taking. And he had plans to go back and study English before coming back out to Australia. His sister said that he struggled with insomnia from the time that he'd come out, and uh, she tends to think that that's attributed to his um, lack of understanding of English language. Zhukai Liu had also expressed suicidal thoughts months earlier to his mother back in China, but his sister had no idea he was thinking about harming himself. He actually never said anything directly that he was going to self-harm in any way to his sister. And uh, from the, the other statements that I did get from his girlfriend or ex-girlfriend, she didn't say anything about him mentioning to her about self-harming. The last conversation Zhukai Liu ever had was with his sister. Yeah, look, he uh, was speaking to his sister in the unit. Uh, he'd made a complaint to his sister about uh, he fell under pressure at university and, uh, again, with the uh, lack of understanding of English, his sister just pointed out that, you know, maybe he's got to do more work, probably not uh, worry so much about his relationship with his girlfriend in Sydney. Uh, and then he pretty much just left speaking to his sister and then just uh, walked out. His sister heard him say, why is life so difficult? Why do we always have to make difficult decisions? From the investigation, once all the, the witness statements were taken, uh, reports from ambulance officers, reports from the, the coroner's autopsy, that it was a uh, the Chinese student had, uh, had committed suicide. It seems that it is obviously an ongoing problem for international students, and unless they do, get a real grip of the language or they can be assisted with, with other Chinese students that can help them, then they, they really do have a problem. Coroner Audrey Jameson said in her report that Zhukai Liu's experience with English and his studies was not unique. 
In fact, the Victorian government earlier this year vowed to review the English entry requirements for international students, with fears many were falling behind their local peers. The Coroner's Prevention Unit estimates Zhekai Liu was one of 27 international students in Victoria to die by suicide between 2009 and 2015. 24 of them were from Asian countries. And because of the limitations around data collection, there are likely to be even more suicides that couldn't be formally counted. Kevin Chan first came from Hong Kong to study in Australia when he was 18 years old. He had to learn to live and study independently for the first time. Back home, Kevin had been told what he should expect from his course and his new life in Melbourne. But I'm not prepared with uh, the cultural differences, uh, with the challenges uh, that I may face as an international student, and also what actually it feels when you are alone in here, away from your family, friends and your home. I'm an active person, so I didn't find it really difficult to fit into it in terms of making new friends and connections in here. However, with English, I find it quite hard to adapt into it because what I learned in Hong Kong was basically reading and writing English. So I learned about daily communications in from books. So I didn't really have a real life conversations going on. I didn't know what is socially appropriate and what could be awkward, especially when I'm interacting with local students, our friends. I feel there are always a kind of barrier between us. Kevin Chan volunteers as a counsellor for international students. Of the 40 he counselled throughout his psychology degree, two expressed suicidal thoughts to him. The first was a 16-year-old girl from China. She always feel not motivated, uh, really didn't want to go to class, always see the negative sides of things surrounding her. And she just don't know how to feel happy somehow. And no matter how I try to encourage her to take a step back to see a bigger picture, it's not easy for her because she just simply don't understand how to. The other was a boy from Japan. He was 17 at the time, and his schedule was really packed with all things because he has a sponsorship program in here. That's why he can come to Australia to study. So he needs to maintain a certain standard with his uh, sport performance and also with his academic performance. At the same time, his family uh, invests a lot on him in order to come to Australia. So... He feels a lot of burden on his shoulder. So he just don't know how to deal with all the burden. And he felt, once he felt one of the things, the other things will call up on him as well. So he has that feeling that he's helpless and don't know how to deal with the situations and thinking killing himself could be a way out from that. And it is just such a tragic to um, listen a 17 years old boy um, talking about those stuff. And being there, helping them, um, acknowledging their feelings, telling them it's okay to feel down sometime and it's okay to feel low, but there are support for you. Um, I'm always here to listen to you and make them feel better, better, time by time. Coroner's report compared international students with local students who took their own lives. It found that international students were less likely to have been diagnosed with a mental illness beforehand. They were also less likely to have sought help from a mental health support service. For a lot of students, counselling is a new concept for them, especially for international students. In our own culture, we don't always 
share our feelings or share our emotion to others people because we are taught to stay strong we are taught to suck it up to <laughs> get over it at the same time we feel the shame we feel the faceless and also we try not to show our weakness to other people that's why we don't use to sharing our feelings and we also have that language barrier in here too because it's not easy to find a counselor that can speak your language especially in your uh, education provider so it's hard for them they, they don't use to sharing feelings culture already and also using English is another barrier that is hard to find the right words. Kevin Chan says there are a lot of unique pressures on international students. Some people may think that international students are rich, um, they have all the money, they just come here to enjoy their life. But there are some international students, they definitely struggle. Some may not even have the full amount of money from their parents, from their families, so they need to work a few jobs in order to get their tuition fee. Some of my friends, they don't fit in their new environment as well as I do. They may start using some um, new behavior to cope with the situations, such as smoking, um, drinking, some even will gamble a bit. There have even been reports of scams and crime sprees targeting international students on or near university campuses. Uni gang attacks is the headline of the Herald Sun. The paper says international students from Melbourne's Monash University are being targeted by a group of thieves. There are calls to improve foreign students' safety at Australian universities after a string of attacks in Melbourne. There have been reports of 13 bashings and knife point robberies over the past 18 days at universities in Melbourne. Taking tens of thousands of dollars off foreign students for working visas that never eventuate. I wasn't expecting this to happen in Australia. Victoria Police Superintendent Simon Stevens has helped communicate crime prevention strategies to international students for a number of years. We're observing some increases in crime against international students, in particular assaults and robberies. It was quite alarming. Uh, it was a significant spike and it did receive very quickly international media attention, uh, rightly so. So we certainly learned that there was a real reluctance to talk to police for fear of impact of a number of things. Uh, impact on their visa has been raised to me a lot of times uh, and I've done countless presentations. I've been at conferences around Australia delivering uh, the safety message around uh, well-being of students in Victoria and the visa it always comes up. Even if they're the, victi the purported victim of the yeah, crime? Yeah, there's, uh, there's a real... Uh, just lack of understanding and uh, I'll make it very clear that... Um, that it, it won't affect the, the visa and policing is a free service. Yeah. Probably viewing us as part of the, the, the government organisation and we're all linked rather than seeing us as a, uh, a community police force here to provide safety for all Victorians, which international students are. He says this reluctance to engage with police means that international students could also be missing out on a vital chance to get help from mental health support services. If you were a victim and you were showing signs of mental health problems, our police are quite trained in identifying and how to manage mental health. We are part of the a big cycle and a big wheel that actually we can actually help them and put them in touch with medical professionals as a referral. Uh, and that can be immediate. We can do it there and then or we can do the referral pathways. Do you see this as a missed opportunity then? Is it a missed opportunity when, when we don't know about something? and we haven't been able to interject or and actually help, you're right, it's a missed opportunity. When we do have those touch points and when people come to us, we've got a very strong existing referral pathway. Coroner Audrey Jameson said, 
While I am unable to conclude that Jirkai Liu would still be alive if he'd engaged with a health service to treat his deteriorating mental state, at the very least, this would have created prevention opportunities that did not otherwise exist. To help prevent future suicides, she recommended changing the national code that covers welfare services for international students. When a student dies, is seriously injured, abused or goes missing, the code requires universities and schools to write up what's called a critical incident report. This details what's happened and the action they've taken. But this stays with the institution, which Coroner Jameson says is, quote, a major missed opportunity from a prevention perspective. She says schools should be required to pass these reports on to the coroner's court within four weeks of the student's death. The coroner also suggested that the federal government look at how these reports can be brought together to help inform policies that reduce suicides. Kevin Chan. I think that is an essential step in order to maintain the report and also the data in supporting international student service. Because if you don't have that report, we simply just don't have the evidence in supporting the service. And also with those data available, we can study it and come up with better prevention plan in supporting international students to prevent any future incidents of those tragic events. Nepalese Global Studies student BJ Sapkota is the national president of the Council of International Students Australia. This would definitely help improving policy works in the area of suicide and mental health of international students. And I definitely agree that there is very less share of data in the sector as well. It's, it's very important for a centralized body to have access to the information of critical incidents where people can get an insight about the mental health issues and situation international students go through. On RN and online, you're listening to The Law Report with me, Jane Lee. We're talking about proposed reforms to help prevent international student suicides. If you're struggling with some of the issues we're discussing, remember you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Federal Education Minister Dan Tian has agreed in principle with the coroner's court's recommendations. He's asked his department to advise how critical incident reports can be brought together. And Mr Tian's still considering the practical implications of requiring schools to hand these reports over to the coroner. In June, the minister highlighted the work the government is doing to improve mental health services for international students after reports of a spate of robberies in Melbourne particularly when we've got a sector that's worth $34 billion to our economy, uh, we have to make sure that we're taking the necessary steps to keep international students safe. And that's why I've now sought to act and, and add an, an additional uh, initiative to a strategy that we're putting in place, which is examining whether we're doing enough to protect the, the mental wellbeing of international students. I, I think what we've got to do is make sure that we've got uh, the right strategies in place to be engaging with law enforcement and the state and territory levels, and to make sure that those engagements are there and that they understand the importance of the sector to Australia. One of the things, of course, is often it, it can be 
language, it can be culture, it can be not, not understanding the uh, physical environment in which you, you may be uh, walking in. They're the types of things we've got to make sure that we're educating our international students on uh, when they come. And it's, it's work that the universities already do, but we've just got to make sure whether there is any other particular things that we need to be doing. Yeah, my, my hope is in the next couple of months we'll get the feedback on, on what are the additional strategies we put, should be putting in place and then we can, then we can act on that. The Minister declined an interview with the Law Report but says in a statement, the Morrison government understands that Australia has a duty to protect and support the international students who choose to study here. While Coroner Jameson could see no privacy barriers to her recommendations, Dan Tian has raised concerns that privacy laws might limit the information schools can release. Um, I'm not sure that I would agree with it. I think it raises obstacles that are probably not, not likely there and it looks like an excessively narrow reading of the legislation. David Watts is a Professor of Information and Privacy Law at La Trobe University and he's also Victoria's former Privacy Commissioner. You know, going back to the requirements of his own department, there certainly is the legal authority to collect that information and under federal, state and territory privacy law. In my view, there is ample power and ample scope to be able to disclose that information back. Remember, this is a matter in the public interest. All privacy legislation recognises the need for the free flow of information, particularly when the public interest needs to be served. And the public policy objectives, it seems to me, are incontrovertible and clear that you know, we owe a duty to overseas students who are studying in Australia to look after their welfare. And it's clearly in the public interest. If a Victorian coroner is saying that I'm noticing some systemic problems here, it is clearly in the public interest for us to be able to address that. And it would be a very perverse result for privacy law to prevent that public interest being explored and the causes found. He says the whole purpose of the law is to protect international students' well-being. So there's a piece of legislation that the Commonwealth passed called the Education Services for Overseas Students Act. That was passed in 2000. It's there to ensure that overseas students are treated well and are provided with the right services. So obviously those are directed to the health and well-being of overseas students and recognises the difficult transition that could be made studying in a different culture, in a different language, etc, etc. So the combined effect of the Act and Standard 6 of the Code is that education and training providers are required to collect personal information in order to comply with the Code. So that's the legal authorising environment for the collection of the information. Then we switch to privacy law and see how that meshes or otherwise with those requirements. So under Australia's information privacy law, and there's a patchwork of them, but there's a base level of consistency between them. So under privacy law, personal information can be collected if it's necessary to undertake an organisation's functions or if it's required by law. Clearly, the requirement to offer reasonable support and have a critical incident policy involves the collection of personal information in order to make good those obligations. Also under privacy law, information that's been collected for a particular purpose 
can be disclosed for a purpose related to the purpose of collection. So again, providing support and having a critical incident policy. So if you can disclose information for the purposes of collection, it would seem to me that there are very few obstacles to disclosing that information either to the Commonwealth Department of Education in order to fulfil the objectives of its own legislation or to the Victorian coroner in accordance with the recommendations made by the Victorian coroner. When you say he's raising limitations or obstacles that are probably not there, can you see within even within a narrow reading that there may be potential limits? There's discretionary language used in all privacy legislation. So taking reasonable steps and what the purpose of collection is, that requires characterisation of how legal powers have been used and how they're to be exercised. But no, I don't. I actually don't see any significant obstacles associated with it. But it requires some work to work through the issues. And there is a patchwork of Australian legislation that's involved. Some of the legislation differs at the margin, but around those core principles of collection of personal information, its use and subsequent disclosure, there's a great degree of similarity. So I think navigating the patchwork in this case is uh, whilst required, once undertaken, um, would show that um, both of the uh, coronial recommendations can be satisfied. Professor Watts says that universities' privacy policies and the National Code could both be much clearer on the way information about international students is shared. With privacy law, the devil is in the detail. So if you're talking about information sharing from public universities, private universities, private uh, other private educational service providers, to a Commonwealth Department, and then also to the Victorian coroner, the information obligations and your ability to share that information needs to be dovetailed. Some of the privacy policies I looked at from Australian universities are lamentably out of date, refer to the wrong privacy principles, and really aren't terribly helpful in terms of what information is being collected. Um, Some just relate to what is collected on the website, so you actually can't see exactly what's collected from uh, overseas students in fulfilment of these obligations. The other interesting thing to note, Jane, is that the code itself, even though updated last on the 24th of January 2018, refers to federal information privacy principles, which were replaced by the Australian privacy principles on the 12th of March 2014. So the code itself is in need of some renovation. So it needs to be looked at as a system-wide response rather than what it seems to be at the moment, which is sort of fairly fragmented and not up to date. Victoria's former Privacy Commissioner, Professor David Watts. But even if the reforms are implemented, there are limited free counselling services available to international students. BJ Sapkota is the National President of the Council of International Students Australia. Refer back to my own university where it could take a student about three to four weeks time 
to get an appointment with the counsellor, which is very, very concerning because with the growing number of international students in Australia, I think there needs to be more counsellors that universities might need to recruit because a lot of students tend to meet the counsellor in urgent situations. Waiting for three, four weeks could ruin the situation and ruin their personal lives. So in order to maintain the reputation of the institutions, in order to maintain the reputation of the international education sector in Australia as a whole, it's very important to make sure that students get access to the counselling services in the universities within a period of time. I think there needs to be a strict regulation in place on how many days or how many, like whether one week or two weeks, because I think three weeks waiting for one month could be, you know, could change everything in, in an international student's life. That's because when international students have problems with their families back home or medical issues, they also have the added burden of making sure that any time off school doesn't affect their visas. Those are the kind of times when students are really, really stressed. And there are other situations, such as, you know, if uh, students go through a stressful financial situation or stressful personal life, um, there is a lot of administrative procedures that international students have to go through because of the visa regulation and since there is no leniency in this space those are the kind of times where international students go through a lot of stressful situation coping with the administrative procedures stress more stress coming out of stressful situations and it's not just universities. He says hundreds of vocational educational training colleges have closed all over Australia in recent times, leaving thousands of international students in limbo. The institutions can always go to the tribunal to file a case against the closure of the institution or against ASQA, which is the regulatory body for vet institutions. And this takes a considerable amount of time. During this period where students are not certain whether the college would continue or not continue, that's when they go through a lot of a stressful situation. Because if the college closes, then they might be wasting their money and their time knowing that institution might close in the future. So this is one of the biggest issue and there, there is no central point of contact for these students to have a counselling service or a centralised service offered to them to actually cope with situations like these. BJ hopes the coroner's findings open a broader debate around how to improve mental health support across the board. It's very sad to hear that that volume of students have committed suicide and we really think that there needs to be more work done in order to prevent suicides. But looking at the issues that international students face and the challenges and the lack of proper discussion in challenges that international students face in particular would lead to more grave situations than this in the future. Universities Australia's CEO, Katrina Jackson, declined an interview with the Law Report, but she said in a statement, If you're a student struggling with mental health challenges, please reach out to your university for support. There are qualified practitioners and counsellors available to assist you in your recovery. And of course, if this program has brought up issues for any of our listeners, please remember you can also call Lifeline on 13 11 14. That's 13 11 14. 
You can check the Law Report's website for more information on the National Code covering education for overseas students and the Coroner's Court's findings on Zhikailu's death. Thank you to producer Anita Barrow and sound engineer Selwyn Cousins. I'm Jane Lee, and Damien Carrick will be back with you next time for more law. been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.